This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com an to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C dot com slash A-N. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Toyota gets hacked again. Wholesale used car prices continue to rise. And NHTSA opens another probe into Tesla, this time for steering wheels that could fall off. Plus, a look at why it's so challenging and costly to install EV charging stations at dealerships. It's not the charging equipment itself that's really expensive. It's the whole infrastructure project. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. A white hat hacker reported another cybersecurity vulnerability at Toyota, this time at its customer information operations in Mexico. Eaton Zavir, a hobbyist white hat hacker in Sarasota, Florida, said he penetrated the system in October and notified the automaker. Toyota closed the security breach, and this week, Zavir revealed it publicly. White hat hackers look for cybersecurity vulnerabilities at companies, notify them of the problem, and hope to get a reward. The auto industry paid out more than $400,000 in hacking bounties last year. That's according to HackerOne, a San Francisco company that manages Toyota's bug bounty program. Toyota told Automotive News in an email that it, quote, takes cyber threats very seriously and, quote, promptly remediated the reported vulnerability. The automaker says there's no evidence of malicious access to the system. It's the second time Zvir has broken into Toyota's systems recently. In November, he breached an application used by the automaker's employees and suppliers. Wholesale used vehicle prices rose in February, fueled by strong demand and tightened supply. That's according to two major indicators. One of those, the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index, recorded a third straight month of increases. Cox Automotive, which owns the Mannheim auction business, said Tuesday that the index rose 4.3% in February compared with January. Cox says that's the largest increase for any February since 2009. Black Book's Used Vehicle Retention Index is another indicator of wholesale prices. It rose 1.9% from January to February after seven months of sequential declines. But wholesale prices were still down compared with a year earlier when used vehicle demand was stronger overall. Cox says its Mannheim index was 7% lower last month compared with February 2022. The nation's top auto safety regulator is opening an investigation into more than 120,000 Tesla Model Y crossovers from the 2023 model year. That's after reports of steering wheels detaching while driving. In a document made public today, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it's aware of two reports of, quote, complete detachment of the steering wheel from the steering column while driving. NHTSA says both vehicles were delivered to the owners with a missing retaining bolt that attaches the steering wheel to the steering column. The steering wheels on both vehicles were removed and reinstalled. And the global chairman of Nissan's struggling premium brand, Infiniti, is retiring from the position at the end of the month. Payman Cargar led Infiniti since June 2020. 
He was preparing for a wide-ranging brand reboot centered on the QX80 SUV. Cargar will leave the role on March 30th, which is the end of Nissan's fiscal year. A person familiar with the move says the 55-year-old Cargar will be returning to France. Cargar worked at French alliance partner Renault for nearly two decades before coming to Nissan in 2017. He led Nissan's Africa, Middle East, and India operations before taking over Infinity. Nissan says Olga Filipova, general manager in charge of global sales and marketing, will be acting head of Infinity. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, used car prices rose in February. Will that market balance back out anytime soon? It sure doesn't seem like it. It's been uh, it's been such a roller coaster, and you know we're seeing more production of new vehicles, but we're still you know really historically lacking in used vehicles. And with prices so high, a lot of people are priced out of the new car market and into used cars, which really creates extra demand there. So it's it's been hard to read. I think things will get more back toward normal, but it's it's going to take a while. Gotcha. Coming up. Installing EV charging stations at dealerships isn't such a simple task. We'll hear from our own Hannah Lutz about the challenges and cost, next on Daily Drive. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose ReconTrack. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Installing electric vehicle chargers at dealerships is proving to be complicated and costly. There are problems with utilities and city planning departments. There are different types and numbers of chargers to install depending on the brand. Dealers are finding that there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Automotive News technology and innovation reporter Hannah Lutz recently wrote about those challenges. I caught up with her here at our Detroit office. Anna Lutz, welcome back to Daily Drive. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So you've been looking into the challenges that auto dealers are facing installing EV chargers at their stores. I guess part of the problem is they have to meet such specific requirements from various automakers. Uh, How big a problem is that? It's a pretty significant issue, especially for dealerships that have multiple franchises. So all the automakers have different requirements. Some are requiring three level three chargers, some are requiring one, but one of the um, major pain points is they all work with different vendors. So a dealer who has multiple franchises may also need multiple vendors to get this done. Oh, what a, what a headache. Uh, one of the dealers uh, you talked to described it as being like putting a puzzle together blindfolded. That, that does not sound easy. No. So many conversations with vendors, then also the 
the cities that they have their dealerships in and the local power companies. It's a complicated process. Level two chargers, level three chargers, what kind of costs are we talking about here? Well, for level three, that's where it gets expensive because most, well, almost all dealers, I'd say, um, have to make some changes to their infrastructure to install level three charging. They need an expanded power supply. So that means they need to add transformers, switch gears, and panels, and they may have to drill through the parking lot or a public road or a nearby alley. It's a big construction project that ends up being very costly. So it's not the charging equipment itself that's really expensive. It's the whole infrastructure project. Yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like a real headache. So there's the equipment. There's the and there's the 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 actual power and the work to get there. I think you said one uh, one dealer was told that their energy demands were comparable to a small hospital. Yes, um, a dealer who has a couple of stores in Tennessee. That was the response, the initial response he got from the local utility. When I talked with him, which was a couple of weeks ago, he hadn't gotten a response back on whether it'll be possible or what it will take. But the initial response was, well, what you're asking for is as much as the, a small hospital gets. Yeah, in a small town, that can be a real strain for a, a utility or a, a local uh, co-op type of thing. Right. So in some cases like that, the utility really struggles to provide enough juice uh, to the dealership without substantial investment to its own infrastructure. But in other cases, they're maybe reluctant to power up the dealership without some investments on the, in the store zone wiring. Right. So especially if it's an older facility, um, they'll need to do some line extensions or just redo their wiring to make charging possible. So it's not that the utility won't do it. Utilities aren't refusing to do this. It's just a matter of, you know, what does it take? And in some cases, the dealers are working with consultants who may suggest putting some battery storage boxes on site to make mm. charging a bit easier. So it's more a prioritization within the utility, not a, a yes or no. It's like, well, we'll get to you when we get to you. Yeah, you have to get in the queue. You have to see how much it costs and then, you know, go from there. Okay. So uh, before I let you go, I wanted to ask, I mean, as dealers try to think through this, uh, it's got to be really challenging because they're trying to imagine and make the right investments, uh, you know, millions of dollars based on what their needs are going to be, you know, not just this year and, and next year, but 10 or 20 years down the line. Right. So most dealers, as they prepare to install these chargers, especially the level three, they are building out the infrastructure. I won't get too technical, but they're building it out in a way that will make it much easier for them to add additional power later on if needed, which, you know, if EVs scale as quickly as the automakers hope, um, they likely will need more power supply later on. Yeah, it's just that we don't know exactly how people are going to charge when you when EVs become more ubiquitous or more common. Will Will most people charge at home still? Will there be a lot more public charging? Uh, how fast it all works? There's it's just so many unknowns. There are a lot of unknowns. And the the chargers that are required by automakers, it does vary, but um, not all of the chargers are going to be customer-facing anyway. Some of them are in the service department or in new vehicle sales. So those will certainly be used by dealers no matter what. Anna Lutz covers energy and EVs at Automotive News. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. 
Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Karin Dingra, CJ Moore, Audrey LaForest, and Hans Grimel for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, cybersecurity threats, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look at the growing tensions between automakers and retailers over franchise legislation at state capitals across the country. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.